welcome to the Lipstick Files. I'm your host, Sarah Holsom, and I'm with my friend, Lexi. Hello. <laughs> Thanks for joining me. You yep. know, I've been talking about this podcast forever. Yeah, forever. Like, I'm finally here. <laughs> finally here. You help run the front desk at the salon that I work at. And how old are you? I'm 19, almost 20. <laughs> and I'm old enough to be your mom. How old is your mom? 40. <laughs> I've always been an old soul, though. Well, I don't know. (laughs) So before we started the podcast, we were talking about you and being on Tinder, and there's, like, murders with Uber and stuff. Don't you ever feel scared with all the technology and, like, the creeps out there? Well, Tinder's pretty fun. Not really. (laughs) It's fun to, like, swipe through. It's kind of like a game. But then once you actually match with someone, then they just text you, hook up. You know, it's not... (laughs) It's not what I was expecting. I'm a relationship girl. I'm not that kind of girl, so... Hook up? That's what people text? Yeah. Sometimes it's just H-U, and you're supposed to figure out that it means hook up. It's even worse. (laughs) Yeah. I have never been on Tinder. So you swipe to find a good-looking guy or whoever you're attracted to, and then you send him, like, a wink or something? (laughs) Or I guess that's match. That's match. Match Match.com has, like, a wink. Swiping left means, like, no. No thanks. Which is, like, 98% of the people Do you know if people are swiping you left? No. Okay. You don't know that. So then when you find someone like, hey, that dude's pretty hot and he's going to be a doctor. So you swipe right. How do you know he's going to be? Oh, his thing says he's yeah, going to be a doctor. Yeah, you have a bio. Yeah, right. it tells I'm you sure he is. Oh, well, that's the only people my mom would swipe right on for me. So <laughs> <laughs> you swipe right. And then if it's a match, it says like, oh my gosh, it's a match. And then you're... Meaning like he swiped right he for swiped you right too? on you. You okay. can only talk to someone who swiped right on you And too. do these have to be people in the area, like really close? You have to be within 100 miles of the person, but you oh, can okay. set your radius. So, okay. like, say if I only wanted to see guys who were in a mile of me. So, if you were like, I'm drunk, I'm really desperate, <laughs> two miles. <laughs> yeah, so then you can see, you'll only see people within a two-mile radius of you. Wow. So, like, a $5 Uber of you. <laughs> I've only had Tinder like, summer flings. I've never, like, gotten anything more than just, like, hanging out with a guy for a few weeks and then it's over. You mean, Tinder. like, you've never had gotten a relationship out of no. it? No. I mean, I could see how that would be really fun if I were a single and I was young and everything like that. But also dangerous. Aren't you worried about getting murdered or anything like that? You just have to follow the rules. Public place, first meeting. Okay. Um... Don't let them send you a car, like an Uber or anything, even though it's more convenient and cheaper. Why not? Well, because you're getting in a car, you don't necessarily know where you're going. Okay. So that's a little sketchy. Okay. Yeah, but public meeting place is the biggest rule that I follow. Yeah. Because if you go to their apartment, you you never know what's going to happen. Oh my God. Well, that would be just crazy. By the way, have you seen Euphoria, the TV show? Oh, with Zendaya in it? Oh my God. I watched it on Sunday. You didn't watch it? I saw the trailer. That scares me so much to think of like, I mean, they're younger than you, but it's crazy. I sound so so crazy. I sound so old. I don't know. It's just like all the drugs and the sex and the whole thing and just with technology and the way that younger people are going out and it's just, it's crazy. I'm sure my parents were saying the same exact thing about me, you know, with my big old Zach Morris cell phone (laughs) that was like bigger than my head. Love Saved by the Bell. You do? Yeah. Yeah, they played it at like Nick at Night. (laughs) 
<laughs> oh my god. Let's talk a little bit about beauty because what you experienced in high school versus what I experienced in high school is a lot different. You were wearing fake eyelashes and hair extensions and just like totally in tuned with what was in because of all these tutorials and everything that's online and the Kardashians and the whole thing. You should have seen me in high school. <laughs> okay, let me tell you, when I was like your age and I was going out, I was wearing pleather pants, super tight. I think I even dropped it like it was hot and it ripped like a big hole. <laughs> that happened in two pairs. I had a tan pair of pleather pants and a black pair and I used to have this like dance move called the butterfly effect and it was basically where I went down low and I made my legs like a butterfly and I'd always do it when I was feeling real good and then I'd come back up and swear to god two of these pair of pleather pants ripped right down the butt crack got them at wet seal don't know what happened (laughs) I definitely have seen the butterfly effect before you have yeah I'm 90% in the break room yep oh yeah you're like oh yeah check out the butterfly effect That's like, you know, moms from like the 80s, they do the finger snap. You know what I'm talking about? That's like me. I do the butterfly effect. (laughs) I made it up. I definitely think in regards to like beauty, I got my first pair of hair extensions when I was 16. I forced my aunt to buy me a pair of hair extensions. But they were clip-ins, right? Clip-in hair extensions, yeah. And ever since then, every single birthday, I get a new pair and I'm like addicted to Oh yeah, you just ordered some. Yeah, they just came yesterday. Oh, so it's for your birthday. Oh my god. I love hair extensions extensions, but they are different now than what they were when I was trying to wear them. I used to wear fake ponytails, like the really <laughs> super shiny ponytails that were so fake. One time I went to an like a 18 plus club and I was with one of my girlfriends and there was this girl who was just so mean to me all throughout high school and I ran into her at this. She, she was like one of those bullies that was like behind the scenes too. She wouldn't say anything to my face, but she would get like all of her minions to do stuff or say stuff to me. So she was there and as soon as I saw her I'm like oh no this chick is here are you kidding me and I had a friend at the time who was a real tough girl and so she would always defend me which was awesome and something happened and there was like a fight that ended up happening with this group and I got my fake ponytail ripped off (laughs) and I wasn't even in the fight I wasn't doing anything but of course because it was kind of about me this girl comes up and pulls my ponytail and except for it was one of those claw clips so it like pulled right (laughs) off And it was on the ground and I was so mortified. Yeah, I can honestly say no one has ever pulled my weave off, but (laughs) I have had my wig snatched one time before. (laughs) What do you mean your wig snatched? The one one? one that you wear and you sing share. (laughs) Do you believe in love after love? Do you have to wear that with a hat or did it look real? I have to wear it with a hat. I'm still working on plucking the hairline and creating baby hairs. It's a project. Yeah, see, I don't even, and I'm a hairstylist and I really don't know like the wig game. When I was probably 24 or something like that, I wore a couple wigs and I would do the same thing you're doing, like where I would wear a wig that looked real, but I wanted it for length or Mm -hmm. the style or whatever. And so I usually went with like a brunette because I usually had brown hair and then I'd pull my real bangs out and make it look real. But now you have these lace front wigs where you can form them to your head and what you pluck out the part, right? To make it more sparse so it looks real. And around the hairline. It's crazy. I think it's really fun, but I think, you know, when you're, like, talking to a guy, they, they're they not really into the whole wig thing. They think it's a little weird. 
So, like, especially with, like, hair extensions. Oh, it's mm-hmm. like, oh, one sec, let me take my hair out. It's really weird, so. Oh, my But God. wigs are weirder than hair extensions. I have that confirmed by many <laughs> men, so. <laughs> I think wigs are weird, too. I have a really weird story about this wine that I'm drinking. Our our kind of boss, right, Who the, the woman who runs the front desk, Kathy, I went to go buy the wine after work, and she went to go buy a couple bottles of something. And we went over there, and there's this guy that works there who she knows really well. He's the wine guy over there. And she's like, oh, man, Sarah, you have to talk to this guy. He has a really crazy story. He starts telling us the craziest story. He said that he was in Miami Beach, uh, I think like a year and a half ago or something. And he had brought all this wine. I don't know if it was from Wisconsin to Miami Beach, but he brought all this wine and he's like giving it to all of his friends at this party. And then there's some people that he doesn't know. And all of a sudden this like elderly guy comes in and he comes in with this guy who's in his 30s. The guy has tats everywhere all over his face. Just a very odd, I don't know if you even want to say couple because they don't know if they were together or if they were not together. It was just like the weirdest combination of guys. So they come up and they're like, oh, what do you, what do you have there? And so the guy with the tattoo is like, I'll take that rosé. So he serves him the rosé. The reason why this story is so crazy is because that elderly guy all of a sudden isn't showing up anywhere. No one knows where he, where he is. So the police go up to his condo and they find him sliced and diced into little pieces from a samurai sword because the guy with the tattoo killed him. And this tattooed guy killed like multiple people not just this old guy yeah he caught he ended up admitting to killing i think six people like in all different states and the weird thing is this guy had just got gotten out of prison i guess the month before i guess this elderly man was going to be having surgery and he needed someone to take care of him and someone else recommended this guy to be the guy to t- the whole thing is weird like there might have been something really weird in there it doesn't seem to add up i mean if i was having surgery and i saw this guy with face tattoos i'd be like no I'm good, you know? Like, no, you're not gonna help me bathe and, like, do all this other stuff. I think a person with face tats would be the last person I wanted to take care of me after surgery. <laughs> I'd be scared on all those drugs, like, ah! What? <laughs> Who are you? What's going on? So, I don't even know how he was really killed, I guess, with the swords, but why would you even have those swords? Um, people love samurai swords as decorations. Th- it was his decorations. They were, like, I guess on his wall. Oh, there's a lot of people in movies and TV, like, I've seen samurai swords as decor before. My cousin took his senior pictures with samurai swords. <laughs> what? Like, my mom took his senior pictures and he's like, wait, one second. And then, like, runs, <laughs> runs over and grabs a samurai sword and then, like, kneels with the samurai sword. Are you kidding? They're hilarious. He's like, I- wait, I have an idea. And he goes and gets them? Oh, they're on my phone. I'll show them to you. Oh, my bit. God. That's like back when I went to high school and people, some people got the lasers in the background. Do they still have that? I don't think so. Oh. I, I did buy senior <laughs> pictures in, like, the third ward and at a Starbucks. Like, Oh, oh, man. Cheese, you millennials. Seven, seven hour shoot, five outfit changes. No. For my senior photos, yep. Seven hour shoot? Yep, it was with one of my mom's really good friends, so we were just having fun, and then it ended yeah, up being seven Yeah, that sounds real fun hours. for the photographer. Seven hours? It was her idea. Oh my god. Were these, like, spectacular? Were you well, wearing a wig? <laughs> <laughs> Looking back now, I will not use any of the photos. I thought it was only right for me to buy the actual, not literally the actual rosé he drank from, but the same kind brand. I w- I'm not going to promote it or anything, cause, <laughs> but I'm drinking it. I have to say I don't like it. <laughs> 
Well, thanks for coming over and doing this with me, Lexi. No problem. Anytime. (laughs) So I'm going to get into some true crime and tell a really, really crazy story. This is a story that really resonated with me because it's about a young woman who just joined the Army. In fact, she even went to the same base that I went to for basic training. This story is about the murder of Tracy McBride. There was a shift for powerful women in the early 1990s. President Clinton appointed Janet Reno the first female attorney general. Demi Moore played a certified badass in G.I. Jane. More and more women were joining the military, and it was a turning point for women to now fight alongside men on the front lines and fly combat missions. In 1994, when 18-year-old Tracy McBride told her parents that she wanted to join the Army, it didn't come as a surprise. Tracy McBride was the all-American sweetheart. She was a cheerleader, she was involved in the music department in school, and was a member in the school's theater group. Friends and family said she always had the biggest smile on her face. Her parents named her Tracy Joy, which fit her even when she got older. Tracy's high school friend Dawn said that Tracy had the biggest heart out of anyone she knew. Tracy had always wanted to go into the Army. She told her parents that she was going to join the military right after graduation, but her parents really wanted her to go to college first and then join the Army. But shortly after graduation, Tracy came home with the biggest smile on her face, and her family just knew that she had joined the Army. Tracy said that she was leaving for basic training the following week and that it was what she was destined to do. And I actually find this really crazy because I know when I joined the Army, I was leaving, I think, in a month after I went in and signed everything. And that was quick. So to leave a week later is just crazy to me. Tracy was shipped off to Fort Jackson in South Carolina for nine weeks of basic training. She had the goal of excelling at everything she did, and it paid off. She received top honors by achieving the Outstanding Soldier Award. Her family had been worried that she wouldn't be taken seriously at basic training because of her petite frame and because her beaming smile would be hard to hide. But she did it, and she did it well. After graduation, Tracy was shipped off to an intelligent base in San Angelo, Texas. Goodfellow Air Force Base had every branch of the military on it. Marines, Army, Air Force, and Navy. Goodfellow accommodates some of the most elite soldiers in the country. A soldier named Stephanie Ryan got wind that a soldier from Minnesota, like her, was now on base. She immediately introduced herself to Tracy and they hit it off right away. Tracy also had a drill sergeant named Sandra Lane who she could look up to. Both drill sergeant Lane and Tracy were petite with strawberry blonde shoulder-length hair. Tracy was like a mini-me of Drill Sergeant Lane, which was fine by Tracy because Drill Sergeant Lane was strong and smart, everything Tracy wanted to be. It was sort of crazy that they resembled each other so much. February 18, 1995. It had been nine days since Tracy had come to the base. It was Saturday night, and it was her turn to sit on laundry duty, a pretty boring job where she was to sign every person that came in or out. She did have access to a phone, which was great, so she called her friend Dawn from back home to pass the time. Tracy gave Dawn crap about being home on a Saturday night like best friends do, and then Tracy started to ask Dawn about a date she had gone on recently. Mid-conversation, Tracy sort of muffled the phone to say something to someone. Dawn heard Tracy say, I can't. I'm on long distance. And then the phone went dead. Dawn wasn't sure what happened, but figured Tracy must have gotten in trouble for being on the phone, and she really didn't give it a second thought. 
two soldiers, Private Peacock and Sergeant Peoples, walk in to do some laundry. And as they enter the facility, they are passed by a female soldier with strawberry blonde hair and a man. After a couple of seconds, Private Peacock asks Sergeant Peoples, didn't that seem like she was being forced? They both agreed and ran outside to help the woman, but they were nowhere in sight. They immediately separate and start looking for her when Private Peacock sees the woman standing near a garbage dumpster by herself, which really creeps me out, like visualizing that. As he approaches, he is suddenly hit over the head with something and loses consciousness. When he comes to, the woman and his attacker are nowhere to be seen. Air Force Special Agent John Whitson arrives at the scene. Private Peacock is still really out of it, but gives a description of a black man wearing an old-style military jacket. Private Peacock had never seen him before. It's determined that Peacock had been hit over the head with what seemed to be a semi-automatic handgun. And there was a live round on the ground where the attacker had hit him over the head. It belonged to a 9mm handgun, which ordinarily wouldn't be strange on a military base, considering so many soldiers carried them. But on an intelligent base, it was a little odd. A 9mm was also a very common type of gun for a civilian to carry. But who in their right mind would go onto a military base and abduct someone with all of the military personnel on site? It's just a little crazy. Along with the Air Force, Texas Department of Safety, Detective David Jones, joins to help find the missing soldier. It's determined that Tracy McBride was the female soldier that had been abducted. As night changes to day, authorities decide they need to contact the McBride family. The family was confused and devastated. An abduction would be the last thing they would have thought to have to worry about when Tracy joined the army. Tracy's family start to call family and friends to see if anyone else has heard from Tracy. And when they get a hold of Tracy's friend Dawn, she tells them what happened on the phone the night before. Dawn is in shock over the fact that she was the last person that Tracy talked to before getting abducted. When media outlets get a hold of the story involving an abducted soldier, it makes headlines and is everywhere. As detectives try to put the pieces together, they interview everyone they can, including Tracy's drill sergeant, Sandra Lane. Drill Sergeant Lane tells them who Tracy had been hanging around with. Remember, she'd only been there for nine days at this point. There were two men that Tracy seemed to befriend, and one happened to be black. The two men were summoned, but didn't show up at first, leading investigators to get suspicious. But it turns out that they were in a meeting and that they didn't realize the seriousness of the situation. So when they finally do show up, investigators are pretty pissed off. But it turns out both men had airtight alibis for the previous night. The whole base was talking about what could be the motive behind Tracy's abduction. Most assumed it had something to do with a sexual assault. Back in the 90s, the public were becoming more and more aware of sexual assault in the military. There were a lot of male soldiers at the time that looked at female soldiers as a joke. Story after story of female soldiers being raped continued to come out in the media. Tracy had a boyfriend named Chris, who she met during training in the fall. They were making a long-distance relationship work. Chris was on a base in Virginia. They were described as the sweetest couple you could imagine. Tracy confided that she wanted to marry him, and it really sounded like their relationship was headed in that direction. But investigators wondered if the long distance between the two could be the cause of Tracy's disappearance. Maybe Tracy left on her own free will because she couldn't be apart from Chris. Or maybe he couldn't be away from her, so he came and he took her. 
The idea was quickly put to rest because Chris's superior said that he was on base in Virginia and that there was just no way he could have gone to Texas and back without going noticed. Lots of tips were coming in, posters were being hung up everywhere with Tracy's pictures on them, and everyone was doing their best to stay optimistic. But a week passes without a single piece of useful evidence. Desperate for answers, authorities start re-interviewing people. They wanted to find out more about each person in Tracy's unit, so they talked to Tracy's superior, Drill Sergeant Lane, again. She gives as much information about each soldier in the unit as best as she can, and when investigators ask her for her opinion on who she thinks took Tracy, she says, says, probably a scorned lover. When asked why she thought that, she answers, it sounds like something my ex did to me. After more digging, Drill Sergeant Lane finally spits out that she thinks her ex-husband could possibly be the person they were looking for, which I don't know why you wouldn't have said something earlier, but... While stationed in Germany, Drill Sergeant Sandra Lane met another soldier named Louis Jones Jr. Louis was already married, but they fell hard for each other and tried to keep their relationship under wraps as long as they could. In 1992, Louis divorced his wife and he and Sandra got married. Shortly after getting married, Sandra realized that Louis's drinking was a problem. He started getting physical and one time he raped her. By 1994, they were already divorced. Two days before Tracy's abduction, Lewis came over to Sandra's and busted down the door. He held her at gunpoint and raped her. He then had her call his home phone and leave a convincing message on the answering machine asking for him to come over. Then this way, if she called the police, it would look as if she had actually invited him over. Sandra told her friends about the assault but didn't call the police. She quickly made plans to transfer to a base in Germany before things escalated even further with Lewis. She thought things would be okay if she could just get away from him. The night of Tracy's abduction, keep in mind this is two days later, Sandra and Lewis exchanged multiple phone calls, and they ended with Sandra telling Lewis that it was over and just to leave her alone. With this new information, police finally have a lead and start a massive search for him. 44-year-old Master Sergeant Lewis Jones Jr. was a former Army Ranger. He had served in the Army for 22 years. He was the leader of a platoon in the invasion of Granada and served in the Iraq War where he had even received a commendation medal for his actions. But in 1995, Lewis had retired from the military and was a shuttle bus driver around the base, allowing him the perfect opportunity to abduct someone and leave the base without looking suspicious at all. Without any hard evidence implicating Lewis had anything to do with Tracy's disappearance, investigators hatch a plan to arrest Lewis on charges relating to the assault on his ex-wife in hopes of catching him in a lie regarding Tracy's abduction. Without a lot of resistance, Lewis confesses to assaulting and raping Sandra, which was really unusual to confess to domestic abuse so fast. It led investigators to assume it was because Lewis was hiding something much darker. When they finally ask Lewis about Tracy, he confesses to that too. Lewis revealed that he murdered Tracy and told them where her body could be found. In October of 1995, the story of what happened the night of Tracy's abduction finally unfolded before a jury. On the night of Tracy's abduction, Lewis had been back and forth with his ex-wife Sandra. When he drove onto base that night, he was searching for Sandra. She had told him that she wouldn't be on base, but he decided to search for her anyway. When he saw Sandra's lookalike, Tracy, talking on the phone, he lost his mind and went into a rage. He approached Tracy while she was on the phone with her friend and asked her for help outside. When Tracy said no, he forced her out with him. And I'm just wondering at this point, because if she's on the phone, it seems kind of strange that she wouldn't 
get off the phone to help him. I know I probably would be like, hey, Don, got to go and someone needs help. So I'm thinking that this guy probably came in looking real crazy. And that's why she said no. After he let her outside, he ambushed Private Peacock and hit him over the head with his gun. He took Tracy back to his house and raped her repeatedly for hours. He made her shower and forced her to use hydrogen peroxide to wash herself in hopes it would kill any potential evidence he may have left on her body. After she showered, he put a sock in her mouth, tied her up, and put her in a closet so that he could clean up any evidence around his house, and he even washed all of her clothes. When he was done, he made her get dressed back up in her army uniform. He laid out towels so that Tracy could walk on the towel with her combat boots. Then that way, there wouldn't be any fibers on her boots that could link back to his house. So, I mean, he was completely, he knew what he was doing. He drove her 30 minutes outside of town and led her to a wooded area near a bridge where he beat her over the head with a tire iron. The medical examiner estimated that he hit her nine times over the head, crushing her skull. And the only thing that makes me feel just a little bit better is thinking that she probably didn't feel much. It's kind of the only thing that I guess I hope. Even though Lewis confessed to Tracy's murder, his attorney fought to keep him off death row. His attorney stated that Lewis's behavior was a result of neurological damage caused by poisonous gas from serving in the war, which was true. There is confirmation that he really did get poisoned. Lewis had also been sexually and physically abused as a child, but in the end, he was still sentenced to death row and after multiple denied appeals, was killed by lethal injection in March of 2003 at 53 years old. And that's the end of the story. And it's just, um, it's just crazy. I, I don't even know what she could have done at that point. I mean, you, you hear these stories about people who, you know, knew, knew the guy or, you know, it was their husband or something like that. But this, this is totally random. It's the freakiest scenario to me because it's like that. There's nothing you could have done to prepare for this or see the signs or anything like that. My only thing is that if you're being held at gunpoint or whatever the situation is and you're being taken, I suppose she could have just freaked out right then and there when those other two guys came in and, you know, it probably would have ended differently. I I don't know. And I'm not by any means blaming her at all. I'm just trying to come up with something you could do different. I know... When I was a baby, my mom worked at the hospital. She's a nurse. And she came out of the hospital and she saw this group of guys standing on the corner. And she tried to be, you know, she tried not to be nervous. But sometimes you just get this gut feeling and you should follow that. And she didn't. She walked to her car. And by the time she got to her car, these guys, I think she said maybe five, six guys were surrounding her and they held a shotgun to her and they told her to get into the car. And thank God my mom was too scared to even move. And she said no, and she couldn't get into the car. So the guys took it and they left. But just thinking about what could have happened if my mom would have gotten in the car. I mean, chances are she wouldn't be around and that is just scary. Well, thanks for listening, guys. See you next time.